again, dredged from the BBC archives, the tinkling tunes of the Angus Prune strain herald the return of those merry funsters, Timbrook Taylor, John Cleese, Graham Garden, David Hatch, that's me, Joe Kendall and Bellotti, and here is the voice of the tallest dwarf on the wireless, John Otto Cleese. Oh, no, I don't believe it. It's, I'm sorry, I'll read that again, Mother. Again. <laughs> The David Hatch Show. The David Hatch Show. Yes, it's Dave the Rave on the medium wave. With another happy go-go, ringing, dinging, bunky, futting, fronty, bucking, brunty, funking, funting, butting. That was close. Funky butting, fun time of fun and frolics on Radio Hatch. And first, news for all you fans. Did somebody call me? <laughs> the question we've all been asking, why was I'm sorry I'll read that again, taken off the air? Well, at last today, now, I can reveal the true facts behind the mystery. Yes, David Hatch pulls it off again. <laughs> so, here is an up-to-date report on your favourite stars in Dave's Diary. April. I'm sorry I read it again, taken off the air amid a storm of protest. Oh, please don't take it off. <laughs> Listeners find it hard to believe. At last, at last. <laughs> oh, what a relief. <laughs> it's off. <laughs> That's the first laugh of it for four years. <laughs> However, most of the ardent fans are indignant, and one or two in Liverpool. And there is a stream of protest. The BBC switchboards are flooded. <laughs> then the Prime Minister steps in. There is a major question at issue. At what? At issue. Bless you. Thank you. The BBC spokesman is Frank. Hello, I'm Frank. <laughs> we on the BBC, and why not, decided to take off I'm sorry I'll read that again when it came to our notice that it had been broadcasting obscene sound effects. Such sounds should never be allowed to sully the public ear. And here they are. <laughs> <laughs> so what's obscene about those? You should see how they make them. <laughs> the, the month ends as the cast break up and go home for the halls. What will they do now? May. Joe Kendall forsakes showbiz to train at her stable in Lincolnshire. Dave's diary is there. Here she comes with her horse meat, a pretty little filly. The stable lad runs out to give her a scrub and a good rub down. He gives the horse some hay. <laughs> J. 
Joe, can you explain some of the excitement you find in riding? Oh, there's nothing like it. The indescribable thrill when you're sitting on a horse like this. Oh, I just leap on and this tremendous tingle goes right up through me. Excuse, excuse me, your saddle's on upside down. <laughs> August, the Royal Command performance. September. John Cleese visits a fashionable health farm and loses 50 pounds. And that was only bed and breakfast. Timbrook Taylor starts a fund to make the lovely Timbrook Taylor a rich man. Or a poor man, as long as it's a man. October. David Hatch retires to family life. He spends much of his time bringing up his babies. Serves him right for eating them. February. News release, Billardy and Graham Garden to get married. Timbrook Taylor was also there. Always the bridesmaid, <laughs> April. The whole cast vow to renounce worldly things and leave for a fortnight's meditation in India. John Cleese leaves with his wife. Billardy leaves with his wife. Graham Garden leaves with his wife. David Hatch leaves with his wife. Timbrook Taylor leaves with his ears burning. <laughs> Police have to hold back teenagers to stop them from going home. <laughs> Fifty girls scream as the plane taxis down the runway and straight into the ladies' toilet. <laughs> Two weeks later, the sensational six return to London after their meditation. Dave's diary is there. Uh, have you all had a good meditation? Oh, lovely, smashing. Groovy. Excuse me, but, but why are you all talking like that? Well, they all talk like that, so we learned Yes, it. it's Indian, you know. Well, tell us, why did you take up meditation? Well, we'd reached the stage where our preternatural urges were being sublimated by an overindulgent materialistic ego and in a new spiritual sense in a preoccupied cosmic being. Right, yeah. Oh, um, in other words... We were bored. <laughs> And what happened when you landed in New Delhi? We went to the house of the great Maharishi Yogi. And did he take you in? Oh, yes, completely. <laughs> the Maharishi is just one of many great gurus. Yes, he used to be the only one, but the number got bigger and bigger. Guru and guru yes, and guru. Yes, yes. And, uh, and exactly how do you meditate? Well, you sit on a bed of nails and penetrate your innermost feelings. <laughs> fans the big news revealed by Dave the Rave. Hear how the Sensational Six have used the Indian influence in this program today in their new show I'm sorry, I'll read that again. Or the Magical Mystery Ball. Do you want an invitation? Are you coming to enjoy the show? Oh yes. You can have a reservation. Makes us happy just to say hello. Hello. Let me hear you when I call your name. I won't go, I'm 
sorry, I'm not going to go. Slingsby, Potter, Prunt, Trenchfoot, and Otter Cleavage. Uh, yes, but you can call me Henry. Oh. Uh, are you the firm of solicit holes? Uh, one minute, please. Let's go to bed. There's some idiot on the phone who thinks we're a firm of solicitors. But we are a firm of solicitors. Oh! <laughs> what happened to the policeman's trouser pressing business? It folded. Um, <laughs> when the bottom fell out of the copper market. Oh. Uh, so we are, in fact, solicitors? Yes, sir. Fine, fine, I see. In that case, what's the elephant doing in the waiting room? Waiting, sir. Well, tell it to come back after lunch if it wants its trousers pressed. Hello, hello? Ah, hello. I'm sorry to have kept you waiting. Yes, we are, in fact, a firm of solicitors. Uh, what can I do for you? Uh, I'm Crawley. Well, nobody's perfect. No. <laughs> no. My, uh, my name is Crawley. Oh, that is a coincidence. Um, I wonder if you can help me. By all means. Well, what's your problem? Uh, fiduciary, fee simple, caveat emptor, estoppel, champerty, misprision of felony, or just plain and simple vicarious titheridge? Well, ac actually, I'm being sued for libel. I'm in rather a sticky position. Mm, I see. What we lawyers call a sticky libel. Yes. You see, uh, what, happened, what happened was uh, that I wrote a letter to the local paper in which I rather foolishly implied in an indirect roundabout way that a certain public figure was the leader of a gang of international jewel thieves and that he went around committing murder and rape and pillage and arson and, and that he cut his toenails on the kitchen table and never used a handkerchief. And, and, and now he's suing me for £100,000 and I haven't got the money and I just don't know what to do. Oh. I see. And uh, when do you want the elephant delivered? 
I don't want the elephant delivered. You'll call Ranford then, will you? Uh, good, we should have it pressed by Tuesday. Look, uh, I want legal advice. You're behaving like a music hall comedian. Excuse me a moment. Let's go to bed. This idiot thinks I'm a music hall comedian. You are a music hall comedian, sir, since you gave up a promising career in male modelling. And when was that? About half an hour ago when you got dressed. Oh. <laughs> Hello, Crawley? Uh, yes? It's all right, I am a music hall comedian. Oh, never mind, forget it. Let them sue me. I don't care anymore. I don't care, do you hear? I'll pay, I'll pay everything for the £100,000. I don't care, I don't care. Well, that went quite well, Miss Gerdebent. Now, would you be so good as to ring my second in command of the gang of international jewel thieves to confirm the murder, rape, pillage and arson fixtures for Saturday? Well, I'll do it only if you'll stop cutting your toenails on the table and promise to use your handkerchief. Oh, no! And now, this week's Play of the Century. It was 1932, and Britain was in a bad way. Nothing changes. The economy was being deflated. <laughs> Businesses were selling off useless shares. It was share misery. And everyone had to tighten their belts. Ooh, 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 ooh. Ooh, too tight. A contemporary historian commented on the Times. Why can't it have sport on the back page like any ordinary newspaper? As standards were abandoned, so was morality. Oh, goody. And there was a rash of pretty criminals. Oh, that's me, probably. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. A rash of petty criminals. Mm, pet, pet, criminally. Mm. And... But above all the little ones stood out two names. A man and a woman who were to become a legend. And this is their story. Bunny and cloud, bunny and claw. Sorry. Bunny was a waitress. People call her Bunny because she was so cute. And because she had buck teeth and long, floppy ears. <laughs> Claude had only recently broken jail. Uh, Warden, I'm afraid I've broken your jail. <laughs> but now he was free and he strode into Bunny's cafe. She stood there looking at him. She was lovely with her woolen skirt down around her ankles. <laughs> and on her head, and on her head, as always, a turquoise beret. A turquoise beret. Now, remember that it was not for nothing that she wore a turquoise beret. So don't forget it. And look out for turquoise beret jokes coming to this program soon. Thank you. Claude slapped his thighs. Naughty thighs. And strode towards her. What's a nice girl like you doing in a place like this? Surfing. What have you got to eat? Nothing. We've gone bankrupt. We're out of food. I have nothing but the clothes I stand up in. All right, I'll have a grill skirt on toast. <laughs> no, you won't. But I could perhaps cook my turquoise berry. Here it comes. Could you? Yes. I'll stew my turquoise berry and cook it in pastry. You mean? Yes. I'll make a blueberry pie. <laughs> I warned you. <laughs> oh, Bunny, don't you want to get out of here? Yes. Think of what we do. <laughs> Think of what we two could do together. <laughs> Haven't you always wanted fine clothes? Oh, yes, yes. I'll take you where you can see all manner of lace, silks and frillies. Oh, where's that? My wardrobe. <laughs> all right. 
all right. There's nothing to stay here for. That's right. <laughs> I'll come away with you. Good girl. Oh, what a team we'll be. Come on, then. Let's get out of here. Bunny and Claude, Bunny and Claude. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> One day they were driving happily along when the car shuddered. <laughs> Luckily, they were just passing a garage. Claude put his foot down and the brakes screamed. Ah, you told me. That was my brake voice. Mm. <laughs> and they drew in. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, sir. Madam, whatever you are. <laughs> What's the trouble? The engine's missing. No, no, it's still there. What's your name, boy? W.C., sir. No, thanks. What's your name, no, boy? No. W.C., W.C. Moss, actually. But folk just use the initials because it's more of a convict. At that moment, he noticed Bunny eyeing him curiously. How would you like to get away from this dull old garage? After all, you're a pretty handsome boy. W.C. flushed with embarrassment. <clears throat> So they drove up outside Humphrey's bank. Claude, disguise yourself. Put on this nylon stocking. Well, that seems straight. What about this scene? <laughs> W.C. parked the car outside and in they burst. Right. Hand over all the cheques, banknotes, pay packets and gold bullion. Can we have some sixpences for the meter? Yes. <laughs> Come on, hand it over. Never. Look out, Claude. He's armed. Drop him. <laughs> And your guns. <laughs> I hope those were his guns. <laughs> put, put your hands up. Yeah. And take your fingers off that button. Meanie. We're not, we're not going to give you anything. I think you'd better know who we are. We're Bunny and Claude. Bunny and Claude, yes, I've seen you in the, in the, Bunny and Claude, isn't it? Yeah, I've seen you in the papers, in the papers, you know, you, I've seen you. Yes, yes. In the papers, it's uh, Bunny and, Bunny and on, Claude, please. I know you, I've seen you in the, in the papers, it's a great... Great honour to have you. Who is it? Who? Oh, wait a minute, I got... Bunny and Claude! Ah! Uh, who? <laughs> Bunny and Claude, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Next, please. <laughs> come on, come on, come on. We've come to rob your bank. Oh, why? We haven't any money in Claude. We haven't, haven't any money. Nobody's got any money. <laughs> but suddenly, as they wept, they heard the familiar sound of the police. <laughs> the people who saw them that day never forgot. It was Bunny and Claude. <laughs> <laughs> News of their robberies was in the papers wherever they went. They even stole the headlines. Claude pulled off the great mail robbery. Hey, I've stolen a great mail. <laughs> and he even robbed a monastery disguised as a holy brother. Ha <laughs> ha! Felonious monk. <laughs> they perpetually embarrassed the police. Come and get me! And by December 1933, the country was demanding some action. But at Scotland Yard, the whole force was reeling. Yeah! 
In one corner, the flying squad were playing happy families with their identikits. <laughs> At that moment, Sergeant Klotz came in to deploy his men for the day's duties. Right then, lads. Extra duty today. You three to Dixon. And you, Simpkins, you go to Zedcast. Oh, super. That should... <laughs> That should ruin their image. But uh, go easy on the makeup, lad. And if you have to demonstrate handbag snatching again, don't say you can use mine, all right? Uh, we've been having a spotted bother with a couple of young turnaways, Bunny and Claude. Anyone got any ideas? Uh, um, PC masher? Please, sir. May I leave the room? Certainly. And don't come back till you've caught them. No, no, I shall bop them with me luncheon. Don't you mean truncheon? No, it's too hard to chew. Look up, buddy and Claude. Prepare to meet your feet. By now, Bunny and Claude had joined up with Bunny's brother, Buck, the photographer, who was never without his brownie. Oh, kinky. And his wife, Blanche, a fat, noisy woman. I heard that. It was Saturday night, and as usual, the gang spent it eating and gambling. Gamble, gamble. The stakes were high. These stakes are high. Yes, I can Come on, come on, let's get on with the game. I got a hot hand. Yes, I can feel it. Now, Claude, you play a queen. What do you think I'll I. Let's get on with it. Ten of clubs. Jack. King. And then Blanche trumped. Oh, I do beg your pardon. That, 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 that does it. I quit. Let's rob a bank. But as they made for the door, it opened wide. Hello, hello. They froze. Oh, close the door, please. <laughs> oh, sorry. Evening all. I'm a plainclothes policeman. Yes, but why are you wearing a coat of black and white squares? Just a routine check. <laughs> Bunny and Claude, I have a car outside and I must ask you to accompany me. Why? I'm only a learner. We're not... <laughs> oh, go We're on. not coming. Go on. W.C. stepped forward and a gun leapt to his hand. <laughs> and the gunfight was on. Quick, W.C., hand me that rifle. What? Rifle, rifle. Follow the middle, lad. What chair? Well, take a shot. Smile, please. Damn, the gun's empty. It's all right. I'll put a slug in for you. Oh, no, that's cruel. <laughs> Come on, quickly. Somebody give me a round. Claude, I'm frightened. Please do something. Oh, all right. I'm coming to get you. Oh, oh. PC Masher had found his target. Claude went weak. Weak? <laughs> He's hit Claude. Let's. Get him! Oh, I, I didn't mean it. Help, help! But at that moment, the constable heard a stirring sound. <laughs> it warmed his heart. Seabury, here's the rest of the lads. <laughs> right, that's better. Now, fire! Bunny and Claude faced a dozen armed policemen. <laughs> All right, then, Bunny and Claude, the game's up. What do you mean? I mean those leaves sticking out of your top pocket. It's 
Never mind. Your reign of terror is over. Constable, put the bracelets on him. Oh, lovely, aren't they? Well done, Constable. Well, there ends the story of Bunny and Claude. You know, it's been a hard case, but at least I've learned something. What's that? Listen. I'll tell you the tale of Bunny and Claude. They fell to the floor when my six gun roared. I'll guarantee you'll not be bored If you sing along with me Bunny and Claude, Bunny and Claude, Bunny and Claude, bye-bye This rubbishy half hour is nearly over. We'd better tell you whose voices you've been listening to. So go out and put the kettle on or something, because if you thought the rest was boring, this is catastrophic. <laughs> the voices belong to Tim Brooke Taylor, John Cleese, Graham Garden, David Hatch, Joe Kendall and Bill Oddie. The scripts were by Bill Oddie and Graham Garden, and the versatile Bill Oddie wrote the song, which was beautifully arranged by lovable Leon Cohen and played by Gypsy Dave Lee and the Boys. The show was produced partly by David Hatch and partly by Peter Titheridge, but mostly by accident. <laughs> Don't miss next week's fun-packed edition, which will include John, there's more money in television, please, when he says... Oh, no, it's I'm sorry, I'll be dead again, would I? Again! You don't. My name is Angus and I'll never miss. Get away! I've seen him on both and I have a good laugh, cause the city is named after me. Tell us your name! Angus Bruce, and I'll do the same. Hi, S-I-E.